0: The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24 7 non stop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2 2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! It's one out. He's, also, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on Ace Cast, Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
1: It is A's Class Live here from the field here at the Oakland Coliseum as we'll be getting you ready for... The Milwaukee Brewers coming into town. A little old school as Milwaukee used to be in the American League. And these two franchise had some great clashes. But they're now in the National League. And we go through a stretch of interleague play where it will be three against the Brewers and then two against the St. Louis Cardinals. Of course, A's cast live. We're here on the field just outside the dugout. We're going to be getting some uh, A's players today. And we're hoping Mark Kotze is going to stop by. Former athletic and the Cal State Fullerton great Sophia Minnert is going to be here at 4:30. She is the Brewers sideline reporter for Fox Sports Wisconsin. As we'll talk about the Brew Crew and what they look like coming into this series, it's going to be a fun series. I love interleague play, and I know there's some people who don't like interleague play, and I laugh at that. And the reason why I laugh at that, it's like you would never want to go back to what it used to be. You would never want to go back to where you never get to see these other teams. See, we're, we're, we're a little spoiled here because here in the Bay Area, we're a two-team market. There's very few two-team markets. And the fact that everybody comes here, and for all these years, uh, we have seen everybody, whether it's National League or also when we talk about NFC, AFC, and football. You know, all the great players have come through, whether it's Barry Sanders or Tom Brady, you name it. Someone came to either play the Niners, someone either came to play the Raiders. But in in all these other markets, you know, outside of New York, Chicago, L.A., and I guess I, I was brought to my attention, hey, you could kind of consider what Washington and Baltimore has as maybe the fifth two-team market, but we get to see everybody. And I can't imagine going back to a day where – you don't get to see the other teams. I, to me, that's a, I, I look back on how archaic and how lame that was. I mean, think if you live somewhere, let's say you live in Milwaukee, and right now you're in the National League, you never get to see the Yankees. You never get to see the Red Sox. You never get to see the Angels. That would just be wrong. And that's how I grew up. Now, I was lucky enough that from my parents' house in San Diego – to get up to Anaheim at that point cuz Anaheim is on one side of of the i5 freeway and then Disneyland's on the other side. So back in those days you could go up, you could go to Disneyland for a couple days, you could go to an you could go to an Angels game one day. So I got to see a little bit of the American League and cuz I was a huge George Brett fan, I was a huge Nolan Ryan fan, and then we also would go see the great A's teams in the late 80s. And then as I got older and I had my Volkswagen bug, there are times where I would go up to watch American League baseball. But think about that. how The fact that you only get to see half the teams in your sport, if you live in a certain town, that's either National League or American League, you don't get to ever see the other half? What a bad business model that is. And you know already how I feel about where the divisions are now. I think we should still blow it all up and redo it. But it's going to be a lot of fun as the Brewers are coming in. They're 56 and 51. They're battling for the wild card right now. While the A's have won two in a row. They're 60 and 47. If it all ended right now, they would have the second wild card. Since May 16th, the A's are tied with the Yankees, 41 and 22. They have the best record in in Major League Baseball since May 16th. How about that? That's a pretty good stat right there. But this is a very, this is obviously going to be a very tough stretch for the A's. And the fun thing about what we got going right now is there are so many teams bunched up. You know, we have the trading deadline. What is today? The 30th. The trading deadline's tomorrow at 1 o'clock our time. So we're going to see who is able to improve. Who's going to get better? You have less than 24 hours. Who is going to get better? Who by tomorrow are we going to say, oh man, they they really did the deal that's going to propel them? We will see. Because right now, Cleveland at 62 and 43. They lead the wild card by three games. Athletics are 60 and 47. They lead the second wild card over Tampa by a half game. Boston, one game. And I throw teams in there. I'll say someone like the Angels, who's five and a half back of the A's we've got over 2 months to play. You get on one hot streak, you can erase that in no time. In the National League right now, the Washingtons by the Washington Nationals by a half game lead the wild card over the Cubs and Cardinals who are both tied for the second spot at 56 and 49. And then this gets crazy. With 2 months to play, Philly 1 game out, Milwaukee 1 game out. Giants, two and a half. Arizona, four. The Mets, who everybody thinks is crazy, yeah, because they're five games under 500. They're just six. San Diego and Cincinnati, six and a half. All of these teams are one hot streak, winning 10 of 11, 13 of 15. They're all one hot streak from being in this thing. So when we talk about this being a sprint to the finish, there's no question about it. Now, if you actually look at the standings, though, and we talked about this yesterday on A's Cast Live, if you missed it, what Fangraphs has put out and talking about who should be in the postseason, pretty crazy how top-heavy things are as we speak. Because right now, the probability of teams being in the playoffs of 96% or better, there are five teams You've got the Dodgers, you got the Braves, you got the Astros, you got the Yankees, and you got the Twins. So let me give you their actual where they are to make the postseason percentage wise. Right now, the Dodgers are 99.9% to make the postseason. I would say those are pretty good numbers. The Astros are at 99%. The Yankees are at 98.2, the Braves are 97.8, and the Twins are at 96.1. So there's a couple ways to look at that, and one way to look at that is right now in baseball, we're pretty top-heavy. You, you have these power teams right now. You have these five power teams who are just knocking it out of the park. I mean, if you look at the records, Yankees at 67 and 38, Twins at 64 and 41, Braves at, or the Astros at 68 and 39, the Braves at 62 and 45, the Dodgers at 69 and 39. They're, they, they've are they split their last five, they're five and five in their last 10 games, and they're still 69 and 30. They've only lost 39 games on the year and they're talking about getting a closer. You get them a closer and we might be finally looking at Los Angeles as bringing home their first world title since 1988. So you got all these you got these five top heavy teams. And then you have all these other teams that are are fighting for position and trying to get in cuz we all know all you got to do is get in. You just got to get into the tournament and once you get into the tournament You got your chance. You got your shot. We've seen the wild card teams prove that out. First happened in 2002, where both the World Series teams were wild card teams. And we all know what happened between the Angels and the Giants as the Angels got their first World Series ring. Anything can happen. You know, one of the things you're going to hear today is on the Bob Melvin show about how Bob and Craig Council, the manager of the Brewers, they're really tight. And I ask him about his time in Arizona. Because getting to know Bob over the years, some of his closest friends in life are guys he was with in Arizona. And you just start to think about it. Him and Bob Brendley so close. Craig Council, his relationship with Matt Williams. The reason Matt Williams is here is because Bob was on the staff when they won the World Series, and Matt was a part of that team. He was a third baseman, and he talks about his relationship with so many of the players. You're really going to like it. It's a really good answer when he starts talking about all the different players who were trying to get their very first ring, veteran guys like a Matt Williams, like a Mark Grace. You know, he starts talking about his relationship with guys like Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson and Luis Gonzalez. He's really tight with Gonzo. But that's what happens when you you get on one of these great teams and you make a great run and you now have a relationship and you now have history that can never be broken. We get to see it with the 70s teams. I mean, when the 70s guys come back, whether we're celebrating 72, 73, or 74, and these men are in their 70s and they're like kids again when they get together. You know, when you see Ray Fossey and Vita Blue together, and they're laughing, they're hugging. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's great. And then we got to honor the 1989 team. And you listen to, you know, even though Canseco's crazy, but you'll have Eckersley talking about Canseco and, you know, all the guys. And we've had many talks with Mike Gallego about it. What a special team that was. Well, we have that kind of special team here in Oakland for 2019. I'm wondering what they're going to do. But I do know this. There's one thing everybody wants at this time of the year. And it's really has changed over the years. Oh, I want to give a shout-out to Steve Berman, the Bay Area sports guy, who did a great article about us on A's Cast. And it's in The Athletic right now. I've retweeted it. You can see it. Follow me on Twitter, at Townsend Radio. So I really want to say thank you to him for doing this article and help promote what we have going here. Because what we got going here is pretty historic. And I can tell you every single team that comes to town is asking questions. What are you guys doing? How are you doing? How successful is it? Because this will be the future for every team. Now, will it be on the TuneIn app? I don't know. But I do know streaming your own station 24-7 is what everybody is going to be doing. It was hockey who taught us. Now we are going to teach all of Major League Baseball. And we I guarantee you, we will be remembered. Hey, you know who did this first? Once the Yankees do it and the Dodgers, the big market teams, Dodgers, Cubs, Red Sox, once they start doing it, they're all going to say it was the Oakland A's who did it first. Coming up next, there is something that people wanted in the past at the deadline that now they're not so big on. There's something else that they need, and you better have it when you get in the postseason. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live.
0: Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend.
1: A's Cast Live from the field. A's and Brewers coming up a little bit later here from the Coliseum. We once again want to throw our thoughts and prayers out there for the victims from the Gilroy Garlic Festival and how tragic that was. Two kids and adult. It was two kids, I believe. Correct, right, Cody? It was two kids and adult losing their lives, and it's utterly tragic, utterly tragic that. We continue to deal with this. But the A's, proceeds from sales of garlic fries and Gilroy Garlic Burger during tonight's game will benefit families and the individuals impacted by the Gilroy Garlic Festival tragedy. Donations will be made to the Gilroy Foundation, Gilroy Garlic Festival, Victims Relief Fund, or just Gilroy Foundation. As that community needs our love, no question about it. Because that festival, for what it has done for all these years, for everybody who lives down in Gilroy and Morgan Hill, they've donated so much money to to help so many different people in that area that they've given so much, we now need to give to them. So we will be talking about this throughout the broadcast, and I'm sure TV and radio will be talking about it later. But so... Buy garlic fries, buy the garlic burger, or just donate and help. So, Cody, can you put that stat up for me once again? I heard this today, and it was just, it was, it just, it like hit me across the face. Because over the years, I've talked about how relievers have eaten up more innings every single year for the entire year for all, all pitchers. And last year, it was at an all-time high at like 38-point-something. Maybe that's something we got to check in with our guy, Mark Simon, from Sports Solutions, who joined us yesterday here on A's Cast Live. I mean, we're going to get to a point, probably this year, if it's not this year, it'll be next year, where you're, you're looking at bullpens being the stars. I mean they 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 they're eating up all the high leverage innings. And when when you hear this stat, this is just going to I mean this speaks volumes. Last year in the playoffs, relievers accounted for nearly 50% of all postseason innings. Think about that. That's increased by 10% since 2015. Half of the innings in the postseason We're pitched by a reliever. And that's why years ago, I remember years ago, the trading deadline, everything was always about a starter. You got to go get a starter. You got to go get that horse. And teams still do feel that way. I mean, obviously the A's felt they needed to improve, and that's why they got Homer Bailey. But the high-leverage innings that are going to be pitched in the postseason, when you start talking about the fifth inning on, They're not going to be by a starter. Only one starter last year, one, topped 100 pitches in a World Series game. Only one. In the past two years, starters have allowed an OPS of over 1,000 when going through the lineup a third time in the World Series. So basically, you're telling your starting pitchers in the playoffs, give me five. If you can get me five, great. And then we're turning it over to the bullpen. I mean, we we have seen legit starters who make big money be pulled in like the third or fourth inning. Like the first sign of trouble, out of the game. You're able to do that. I don't like that. And I'll explain why I don't like that. But you're able to do that because of the days off. We have all these days off during the postseason, which allows you to manage that way. But the reality is we shouldn't play that way. We should play the way we do baseball, where we play every single day. If you actually played it like you did the regular season, then all of a sudden you wouldn't be able (laughs) – you would need your starters to start going a little bit longer in the postseason, and you couldn't rely on all those relievers every single day. You'd You'd burn your bullpen out in the first round. But that's for another show. That's one thing that I have never liked. Oh, yeah. They're Australian kids? Liam Hendricks, I guess we have a team of Australian kids here. Is this your team? They're here for the World Series. We'll put Liam Hendricks on, the all-star. That's one of the great advantages of having this show the way it is. So we just had a group of Australian kids walk by. Liam Hendricks, welcome to the program. What do we got going today?
2: Yeah, so they got the, uh, it's actually from my hometown, my home ball club. Really? Roo Giants and Korean Cats the two clubs I played for growing up. So uh, How awesome is that? They got the Little League Intermediate World Series team out here. They played Mexico today. They lost 19-3, to but besides the point. But, uh, yeah, so I got them out. They came into the game on the 27th uh, where we beat the Rangers. So they came out to that one, which is good, and then they uh, yeah, organized them to come out today. So uh, they're out here now, and.
1: Enjoying the game on, for BP. Did you make this happen today? I did, yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, you gotta take care of the kids. What is it? what I mean, think about for them. What does that mean coming all the way from Australia to be here in California, in the United States of America, and then get to? I mean, then they get to see you, and they get to see what what you can do from Australia. You you, you can make it big in the United States. Yeah, hopefully
2: it uh, hopefully it's impactful. But um, at the end of the day, I just wanted to get the kids out here from my home clubs. Um, yeah, who Giants, Korean Cats, so get them out here. Just enjoy a game. And so I'll go over there and say hello in a little bit once, uh, once we're done with batting practice and all that and just speak to them for a little bit and just, uh, yeah, you got to take care of the kids. And at the end of the day, like, you don't get too many Australians over here, especially from my hometown. So. <laughs> well, you're living proof that this is an international game. There's no question. Actually, my in the locker room, it's, uh, we have the, uh, the Foreigners Row. It goes, me in the corner, Joaquim Saria from Mexico. Uh, then it goes Franklin Barreto and Yismer Petit from Venezuela. And now we've got Wei Ching Wang who just moved his locker into that one. So we've got uh we got it all. He's from Taiwan. So we've got uh we've got a bunch of
1: different continents going on. I know that's where you know, people for years when they've talked to us sort of like certain people are not playing the game. I said, Listen, we now have people coming from all over the world. There are scouts all over the world finding players and even in Australia. Oh, even
2: even down under that's where it comes from. So uh yeah, we got a group of kids here today so hopefully we can they love, I went to the game this morning. It was at nine a.m. So, well, uh, I went out to Max by Park in Livermore. Went out there with my old man just to check out the game. It didn't end up the way we wanted to, but I mean, I've got a got a chance to go see the boys, and uh, yeah, they play again on Thursday at noon, I think. How much fun are you having closing? I love it. Um, obviously now I have to wait like the entire game for me to pitch, which kind of sucks because I like being involved. But um, at the end of the day, like I'm a, like I've always said, I'm just a placeholder. Like we had one of the guys who had the, one of the historically best seasons ever last year. All he needs is another outing or two, like he did the other day, and um, and he'll be back in that role. And we will be uh, our bullpen will be stronger for it.
1: Well, I I, I I just talked about this, and it's an amazing stat. Last season in the postseason, bullpens made up fifty percent of the innings in all the postseason last year. Well, the one game we had was a hundred percent, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we had we had uh, we we added that tally, but. Um, yeah, I mean, relievers are being leaned on heavily, especially in the postseason. Uh, they're even adding starters back to the bullpen just to kind of get that get that feel back out there. So it's something that um, something interesting, like the stats. I think last time I read it was this is the highest bullpen. This is the first time in 20-odd years that the bullpen ERA has been higher than the starter ERA. Correct. And I think that has a lot to do with the the opener strategy but because they go in as relievers, or the, the long guys, or the bulk guys. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Do you know Ryan Stanek from the Rays? He's with the same agent. Same agent, and um, so last year when I opened, we both opened against each other. So I think it was the first game that two people opened up against each other. And so I got him to sign a ball, I signed a ball, and we sent it off to our agent. We like, One for me, one for him, and one for our agent. So I think it was a little cool memento. I mean, you never know what's going to happen with it, but first opener versus opener.
1: So we had, he came down, and when Tampa was here and came on the show, and I said, you know what? Not only are you've been one of the guinea pigs on this ordeal, but you're really going to be the guinea pig when it comes to how do you get paid by this because he's doing it more than anybody else. Yeah, I think
2: so, I had uh, eight starts last year before I went through arbitration again, and um, it was a little bit. But at the end of the day, like after my lo- year last year, I was just happy to get anything. To be honest, I was happy to <laughs> happy to have something guaranteed. So um, yeah, he's going to be the uh, he's going to be the benchmark from now on. So I mean. I think our agent does a pretty good job. They got me paid somehow, so I don't know how they did that. So they've got Stanek. I mean, you got the long hair, the goatee, and the 100-mile-per-hour fastball opening. So, I mean, I think, I think he's going to get his, that's for sure.
1: Because to me, this is how it's going to work. You're either going to admit this is a very valuable role and you're going to pay the guy, or you're going to go cheap, and then everybody's going to go, wait a minute. I'm sacrificing doing this opener thing, and I'm not going to get paid anything extra for it. I don't want to do it anymore.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, um, the Razor we uh, have been a team that hasn't been the big free agent getters anyway, and so if they decide to kind of screw a player over, I mean, it's free agents notice that. Like, there's team, there's teams in the league that team players don't want to go to based on the way they treat their players, and I think that'll definitely play into it if that happens. I don't think it will because he's been too good for them. I think uh, value, relievers are valued higher than ever right now. And you don't want to get away. With, you don't want to just give away a guy, regardless of anything. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens.
1: Now, is your Australian team are they out of it or do they still have more games?
2: They play on Thursday at noon. That's their uh, their last game is on Thursday. Um, we have a day game, so I won't be able to make it. But uh, anybody who wants to go down to Max Bay Park in Livermore and cheer on the Aussie boys, it'd be greatly
1: appreciated. You're the best, my friend. Thank you for stopping by. Thank we always love it. it I guess. Liam Hendricks, the all-star, coming over here on A's Cast Live. And good luck to Australia going forward on Thursday. Coming up next, see, that that's what's so cool about this. He wasn't planning it. We, we didn't know Liam Hendricks was going to come on. <laughs> we have the ability just to bring anybody on anytime we want. That's what's so key about A's Cast Live. No show like it in all the big leagues. Sophia Minert Minert is going to join us. Minert or is it Minert? Minert? Minert. Minert. Sophia Minert, she is the Brewer's sideline reporter for Fox Sports Wisconsin. We got to talk about the Brew Crew. Another historic season for Christian Yellich, but they've been struggling a little bit. We'll break it all down, getting you ready for the series right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, this is Fred of the B-52s, and whenever my flying saucer is over Oakland, I listen to A's Cast Live.
0: Now back to A's A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
1: Sophia, thank you so much for taking the time. We truly appreciate it, and it's uh, an old rivalry. Back in the day, of course, the Brewers were in the American League and had some classic games against the Athletics, but welcome to
3: town. Thank you. Thanks. It's been a while. We haven't been here since 2016, so uh, we were here for just a short two-game series, so it's nice to... Be back here in Oakland.
1: And you got to see an old friend, Chris Davis.
3: Yeah, just minutes ago. Uh, You know, we love Chris Davis. Uh, I just told him, I said, I wish you could still be hitting all those home runs for us. But uh, (laughs) he was, you know, he was a great, impactful player, uh, really well liked in our clubhouse. Um, But, you know, obviously it's great to see him doing... So many great things here in Oakland with the A's and it's just watch him establish himself as such a great player. It's, it's been fun to follow him, but uh, definitely miss him on our side.
1: Yeah, I think about it, you know, when he was in Milwaukee, I mean, did anybody really think he would? I mean, knew he could hit home runs, but we're talking about a guy leading all of Major League Baseball in home runs. Did you guys see that potential?
3: I think nobody questioned Chris's power you know I mean he can crush a, ba- a baseball j- as well as anybody um, and especially at Miller Park you know it's such a hitters park and and it can showcase talent like what Chris has I think the biggest thing with with Chris and his time in Milwaukee is he just never got that regular opportunity um, and obviously he was working on stuff with his arm to improve his defense and you know, we've got a couple of really good outfielders as well. So I think it just got to a point where he wasn't able to get that consistent playing time that obviously made it more difficult for him at the plate, you know, to get into a rhythm to see all of that great power that he's put on display here. So I, I'm thrilled for him that he got that opportunity here in Oakland.
1: You know, there was a story about Christian Yelich when he was in Miami where he said he'd be happy if he ever just hit 20 home yeah, runs a yeah. season. He never saw himself as a home run hitter. What is it like for him now that, like, the the light has gone on and he's become a superstar?
3: Well, I remember last year at spring training, uh, you know, Ryan Braun sort of foreshadowed all of this happening for Christian because he said, you know, he is such an elite hitter. And he said, you know, even just having followed Christian for the last couple years, Ryan said, I didn't realize how good he really was, and this kid doesn't even know half the power that he has. Um, He hasn't really learned how to tap into that. And so I think we just saw the fruits of all of that after The all-star break, you know, he he homered in the all-star game off of Charlie Morton And it just felt like after that it just took off Um, It was obviously an MVP season for him and he's already matched his home run total from last year so it's it's just been wild to watch him, you know from the second half of last year and just you know, he was very much eager to prove that regression was not going to happen, and this is the kind of player he is.
1: His last 162 games. You ready? They're insane. He's hitting three he mm-hmm. He's got an on-base of four forty, slugging seven thirty-three. That's a 1,173 OPS. 61 home runs, 147 RBIs, 12-game winners, 217 hits, 108 extra base hits, 136 runs, and 33 stolen bases. That's his last 162.
3: That's not a bad season.
1: I mean, that's 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 <laughs> greatest brewer season.
3: Yeah. And there's been yeah. some great brewers. There's been some really great brewers uh, in the organization's history. And I just, I mean, again, it's like you read these numbers and these are like stupid video game numbers, right? Yeah. Then it's like an actual player putting up these kinds of numbers. I mean, it's it really is unreal. Um, and, and we every day just try not to take it for granted. Um, every at-bat he takes uh, every game that he plays it. I mean, he is a special special player
1: All right, what's his contract like and what are they trying to do with him long term?
3: That really hasn't been on the table yet. He'll have two more years uh, after this year um, That was part of the reason why they wanted to acquire him in January of last year uh, the David Stearns and the Brewers they love young controllable talent they had to give up four prospects to get him, but I think this will go down as probably the best trade that the Brewers will ever make. Uh, with the season that he delivered, and and there hasn't really been a conversation yet in terms of long term or extension or anything like that. Um, but he do, he will hopefully be in a Brewers uniform for at least two more seasons.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that uh, is the trend right now in baseball. Ever since last year's World Series, is all these players signing extensions. They don't want to go to free agency. I think about the guys that we have: Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, and. And Ramon Laureano here in the future right. is like you want to ink these guys up now. It's like here, Christian, here's 150 million. Please stay for years.
3: Please stay, right? And I think Brewers fans would love to see that. But you know, I think this is one of those opportunities where, you know, Christian signed a, a great extension with the Marlins at the time. But think about how much his value has changed yeah. now after last year. And, and honestly. Who's to say he can't be a, a, a runner, you know, an MVP again this year with the numbers that he's putting up? So if you're a two-time MVP, I mean, your value is through the roof. And I whether it's a, a team-friendly extension or not, I think Christian probably feels that, you know, you you're gonna want to capitalize, right? Just like anybody else.
1: Yeah, he wants another MVP. I want to be his agent. Let's go make some money. Right. Uh, the Brewers right now struggling pitching-wise. Yeah. What are you hearing? Because tomorrow we got less than 24 hours. Yeah, and if you if you want to get somebody, you got to get them now. What are you hearing?
3: Well, you know, time is obviously on the clock. Um, They did make a move yesterday, acquiring Jordan Lyles from the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's a pitcher that we're very familiar with. Picked him up off of waivers from San Diego in August of last year, and and Jordan, it was kind of a spot appearance role for him in in the bullpen at that point. He only made eleven relief appearances. Was not on the postseason roster. and and then you know they didn't tender him in the off season. He ended up with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So we saw a lot of him actually, uh, both the the good and the bad version, so to speak. You know he got off to such a great start with Pittsburgh. Over his last eight starts, there was a hamstring injury in there, and then the numbers just haven't looked the same. They've really flipped and gone in the other direction for June and July. So I think you know the Brewers are hopeful that maybe just putting him back into a pennant race, you know change of scenery, work with uh, the pitching coach uh, Chris Hook and Steve Carsey, um, again again, it's a pitcher that they're familiar with and and more so than anything they just they need the depth and they need the innings with the injuries to brandon woodruff and the Yolisha scene right now
1: yeah the old oblique we used to yeah. never even hear about the oblique and now we hear about it all the time
3: yeah so unfortunately you know it was just it was really suboptimal timing right to, to lose two starters within the span of a week i was just in the clubhouse talking to gio gonzalez He's going to come out and play catch today. He's going to probably slot in for the Chicago series. So he's going to get pushed back a couple of days here. Um, So, I mean, there's there's definitely some instability there with the starting rotation. But Craig Council has said, you know, with, with the team having an off day yesterday, they've got every Thursday in August off. So that does allow them some flexibility with the pitchers and how they want to line guys up.
1: You just made a lot of A's fans sad.
3: I brought up Gio. Gio's
1: a, he's a fan favorite, and we were hoping to see him in this series.
3: Yeah, I know, and I was just talking to him about that. I said, are you bummed that you – you know, he would have slotted in to yeah. pitch in this series, but he's dealing with a little bit of the left shoulder tightness. So I, I did ask him, I said, are you bummed, Gio, that you don't get to pitch here? And he said, you know, he was a little bit um, – you know, he said he's he kind of grew up here. Yeah. So he said he looks forward to coming back here and seeing so many of the people that were here uh, when he was with the A's.
1: I will never forget, he was standing right over here at the dugout. I was up in my perch up in the press box. I was doing, it was the last game of the Bay Bridge Series between us and the Giants, and I'm doing the postgame show. And Gio just learned he made the ball club for the first time. And I had his cell, and we had him on. And he was with his father and different family members, and they were crying. And so, yeah, he was definitely special for us. And when I think about... I think about, I mean, you can look at the American League. You can look at the National League. There's so many people bunched up and so many people in it. And the Brewers are right there. What is their feeling? They're only one game back of the second wild card. Uh, You know, because here, like, we're the A's. A's are feeling confident, right? This is the time of year. For some reason, traditionally, A's heat up in June and July and let's go, right? How are the Brewers feeling?
3: You know, it's it's been what Craig Council describes as kind of a messy season. it it just has felt like one of those seasons where you take one step forward, you take two steps back, Um, you know, it's been just varying periods of inconsistency, you know, and I think this team is really confident in their offense. You know, day to day, Craig Council feels really good about the lineup that he puts together. He says, I would put our lineup, you know, up against any team in the National League or across all of baseball. I mean, this is a team that is built for power. It's a team that is built for speed. It's a team that's built for depth. You know, they've got this offensive philosophy, the circle. You know, no easy outs in this lineup uh, with their new hitting coach, Andy Haynes. And really, they're, just, they're looking for the consistency, right, of like it's felt like when they get the great offense or a big number from the offense, the pitching, you know, unfortunately gives up a big number. When the pitching does really well, the offense goes quiet. So they're just waiting for that period where – You can put it all together and put together a good streak. They did have a a six-game winning streak earlier this season. Um, But since then, it's been, you know, a series here, a series there. And just, you know, we know what this team can do and what they did in September of last year, winning every single series in the month except for one to chase down the Chicago Cubs. They started September five games back, and they were able to get it done in force 163. So this team, they've gone through this before, and I think they know they just need to stay in it. Um, keep competing, keep winning series, and, and see where you are in September. Will
1: you guys on the broadcast tonight be talking about the two skippers and their relationship with each other? Because yeah. they're very close friends. Yeah,
3: yeah, they are. Yeah, I know Craig, uh, you know, is, always looks forward to this matchup.
1: So it'll be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for stopping by, and good luck the rest of the season. All right.
3: Thanks so much for having me. This was and, fun.
1: And you know what? When every baseball team and the Brewers, they launch their 24-hour streaming station, you're going to remember where it started. Yeah. And you were a part of it.
3: Well, thank you for uh, making me a rookie here.
1: Well, the, you know what we call it? It's like batting practice for you. Now, <laughs> now you'll be ready for the broadcast <laughs> there tonight. There we go. We'll be All ready. right. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast, A's,
0: Cast A's, A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend.
1: So I came up with a theory yesterday. And my theory, I asked the skipper, Bob Melvin, who I'm looking at right now as he's behind the net watching BP. So before we did the Bob Melvin show that you're going to hear at 5 o'clock, which is coming up in, uh, what, about 15 minutes or so? Yeah. Bob Melvin coming up in 15 minutes. We are the only entity that gets Bob every single week. It's the Bob Melvin show brought to you by nestbetting.com. Did you tweet it out, Cody? That Bob Melvin's coming on. Right? Yeah. It, and did it, I retweet
4: it? The, the tweet is sent out. Also, I wanted to give you an update. Uh, the Brewers just got back to me. We're going to have Gio Gonzalez
1: on the show tomorrow. Gio Gonzalez on the show tomorrow. Hey, uh, we got to get Steve Berman on. Bay Area sports guy who just did a phenomenal article about us. Oh, I read it. On The Athletic. Did I read, read the, it? I read the big Chris Townsend Me piece. No, I, I, I saw mention of Matt Pearl in there. No. No. Um, um ace cast live with chris townsend it's not your name's not on the marquee joey and i have thankless jobs we get it (laughs) i did i mention you? i don't know if i mentioned you or not you did i read the article it's okay well not everything i said was in the article though the great glenn kuyper stopped by uh
4: so when do wait when do you want berman is he here on the trip or is he here for uh, I don't know. Just I'll,
1: I'll text him. Them. Text him. Them. Maybe, I'll maybe, see if he's here today. Maybe tomorrow. tomorrow's tomorrow's what? What are we doing tomorrow? We're here again tomorrow. Is it a night game?
4: Yeah, another night game.
1: And then Thursday, Thursday's we're, the day we're, game? We're at Plank, yeah. We're at Plank, okay. Maybe we uh, get him on tomorrow. All right, I'll text him right now. So I asked Bob, so here's a theory that I came up with of why recently times that were normally crazy, winter meetings, free agency, trade deadline, it's all gone cold. And I think I have a pretty good theory. Today's people in baseball are all numbers people. They're people from MIT. They're people from Stanford, Ivy League school. There's a lot of smart people working. Oh, ground ball. Ground ball to short. Fell short. Grab that for me, would you? I love getting the baseballs. You know what we've been doing lately with the baseballs? We've been getting players to sign them, and then we give them out. So we'll see next time a player comes by, we'll uh, we'll get them to sign it. So, so since you have all of these people that are just numbers people, remember, numbers people are not risk-takers. Numbers people are super ultra-conservative. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm just talking about how they live their lives, how they do business, you don't get into you don't get into a numbers job cuz you're a risk taker. That's not that's not what you do. You know, you're not a drummer in the band like Ben and you're going around with D52s uh, traveling around Europe. No, that's not what that's not what numbers people do. They crunch numbers, they crunch data. Well, the problem is right now, these are the people who are making the deals. And that's you keep hearing the same thing boy, they want so much. They want an amazing haul. Well, because then they're not taking that much risk. For example, you want player X, but I'm not going to give you player X unless you give me two top prospects plus two other prospects because I want to be able to say I won the deal. Yes, I gave this player up, but look at everything that I got. So you either, to get a primetime guy right now, they're not going to take any risk. And the only way you're going to get one of these players is you're going to have to give a boatload up for them. A boat. So that's why we're not seeing movement. That's why we're seeing Andrew Kashner. That's why we're seeing Homer Bailey or Lyles or guys like this. And we're not seeing the big boys. We're not seeing Noah Syndergaard, right? Strowman actually, a deal was done. But Brody Van Wagenen, he's an actual, he's an agent. He's not a numbers guy. But he's making all kinds of you may say crazy deals. Some people think that, you know, they're really loading up for what could be a, a nice little run for the Mets in, in 2020. But Bob Melman agreed with me. He did agree. He thinks that, is, that 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 is something and uh that I didn't ask him that in the interview, but that was just something we had in a conversation said, Hey, I have this theory, what do you think? But yeah, we have less than twenty four hours. We have this huge packet, right? I have this monster packet. It's a trading deadline packet. It's uh how many pages is it? It's 34 pages. It's 34 pages on the trading deadline and I'm looking at and no one's moving.
4: Well, I got an update from Jeff Passen if you want to hear it. The trade market is finally to is finally beginning to unclog. Trevor Bauer is very much in play. Rival exe- executives have told ESPN they seem to motivated to move him. The Reds are the team, like, really pursuing him. The Reds, a team under five hundred,
1: But the Reds, remember, they have the pitching coach, Sonny Gray's guy, who's the super analytics guy. I'm Andy, yeah. And we're not analytics guy. He's – you know what? I, 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 I have to stop and catch myself. We have to stop talking like that because analytics are numbers. He is when he is one of the – he's like the the driveline guys or the Texas Baseball Ranch guys where it's all about the radar, the Soto, the high-tech cameras, and that's not analytics. Yeah. So he's one of those guys that he knows a lot about the technology in baseball, and he would fit right in. I mean, he speaks Trevor Bauer's language.
4: Uh, Bumgarner is available, the uh, pass and saying, and Robbie Ray. So Bumgarner
1: now is available. Yeah.
4: And the Astros
1: are one of the teams checking out on him. So – We have seen the numbers come out about how much the television ratings have plummeted for certain teams. One of them is the San Francisco Giants. Their attendance has plummeted. Their television ratings have plummeted. But now it's back up. So it's going to be pretty tough to trade him away when you are so close. I mean, what would that be saying to the fan base? Well, let me tell you this. My next guest is one of my all-time favorites. Because not only was he a great player, not only was he a great A, but I also played against him in college back in the day when he won a national title. And San Jose State, we were the only team in conference to beat you once And you just rolled, everybody. Mark Kotze is with us here on Ace Cast Live. How are you? I'm good, Tony. How are you? Uh, We're doing well. And I was just talking about how, you know, it's less than 24 hours for the deadline. And now the Giants are saying Madison Bumgarner is out there. They've crawled all the way. What would that be like for a player? You've crawled all the way back into it. And all of a sudden, right before the deadline, they trade your best pitcher. What would that be like? I thought this was going to be an easy interview. Like something fun, you know, something
5: fun to talk about. Remember how great It's, you a, beautiful, were? it's a beautiful Northern Cal day, <laughs> you know, 70 degrees. I feel like I'm back in San Diego to an extent. but If um, you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? Oh, wow. That's a, I don't, you know, I've never thought about being a tree, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, if you're in that clubhouse, uh, obviously you, you, uh, you're torn a little bit. Um, you know, you get someone taken out of your clubhouse, whether it's, Madison Bumgarner or you know the 25th guy that uh, that gets a big hit off the bench uh, anytime you lose a player that's been on a team for that period of time it, you're going to feel it you're definitely going to feel it um, but as players we know and understand this is a business and uh, you know you don't ever want to think that way as a player but you have to understand that moves are made uh, for the betterment of an organization's future possibly um, and that. When you're here in a uniform, your job is to go out and perform. And uh, regardless of, of who's on the mound or who's on your team, uh, who's traded or, or who comes into the ball club, uh, it doesn't change your job professionally as, as a baseball player uh, to go out and perform and, and, and do your best. Well,
1: this one's easier for you. Thank you. It's so. Are you sure? Yes. Are, okay. Is this one's easy because it's happened with the A's, with with, with Bailey and Diekman coming in. When you are a good team and you're battling for the postseason and your front office goes out and gets you assets to help you, what does that feel like as a player?
5: Yeah, you're excited about that, no question. Um, but at the same time assets are coming in, someone's gotta go out. Someone that's probably contributed to the team's success at some point throughout the season. Uh, you know, the, the, the greatest message is a, it's gonna take an army to win a championship and uh, everyone's gonna have to at some point contribute uh, to the success of a team to get to the playoffs. And, I I knew that very well. I I spent nine seasons losing uh, and not making the playoffs as as a major league player. And uh, the feeling of accomplishment when you do uh, finally succeed and win, uh, to be a part of that, uh, regardless if you've just joined the team or or if you've been there all year, uh, it's a great feeling. So um, does it add a little maybe extra boost to – get a couple players that you feel like are going to contribute, but uh, nothing's guaranteed in this game. You could get somebody that comes in and, uh, and doesn't succeed. But uh, as you said, the trading deadline's a, a difficult time during the season uh, as players. And I'm sure as staff, you, you want to get through it and, and focus on, on winning baseball games.
1: Yeah. Cause after tomorrow, you are what you are. There's no waiver wire process, claiming guys off waivers or guys getting through waivers, and then you can make a deal with them. So, as of one o'clock tomorrow this is who you are and tell me what you like about the 2019 oakland athletics
5: i like the heart you know i like the fight um i've always said that about this ball club um you know from top down they go out and play hard every night regardless of the score uh there's a there's a positive uh you know feeling that that we're going to win each and every night and uh you know you you look around the diamond uh, each one of these guys has contributed to where we're at <clears throat> if you look back on the season we at one point, I think we're six or seven games under 500, and the message never never veered. It was let's get back to 500. Let's win one game at a time, and let's focus on on what we do well. We go out and play hard. And uh, at the end of the ninth inning, if if we're ahead, great. Um, you know, we're going to go celebrate. And if we're not, we're going to come out tomorrow and 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 repeat what our focus is is to win
1: each day. That's been one thing that ever since Bob Melvin has come here is that. The team is going to play all 27 outs. The team is going to play hard. Talk about what Bob does and what he sets in that clubhouse of the expectations for this team. Yeah, he, he,
5: he sets the expectations early in spring training. It's, it's going to take, you know, all, all 40 and then some to, to, to win a championship and to uh, to develop a culture like that. He's done that for his tenure here as, as the Oakland A's manager. He's been successful, and uh, throughout his managerial career, he's had success, and that's, that speaks volumes for Bob. Um, and, and it also speaks volumes for the guys to uh, they look up to Bob. They believe in his leadership, which is uh, the most important thing that you can have uh, in that clubhouse, and, uh, and he's done it time and time again, and, and he preaches that message from, from day one of spring training. We're in this together. We're all in it together, and, and the only way we win uh, is we go out and we play hard. It's, it's an attitude and effort that,
1: uh, that he instills from the onset. For guys that had really good careers like yourself, Matt Williams, how much do these young players come and pick your brain about, could be about anything, could be about baseball, could be about finances off the field. <laughs> how, much, how much do they pick your brain?
5: We're here for them, you know. Um, I don't know if, if the young players even know who I am still, which doesn't really bother me, but, uh, you know, to be, to be in the clubhouse, to, to just be around uh, the players, uh, that's my joy. My joy is if there is an opportunity to mentor, if there's something that is on their mind, I'm, I'm easily approachable. Maddie, from Maddie to Bushy to Aldo uh, to Emo. Um, you know, all of us have something to offer and, and uh, we don't ever try to offer it when it's not wanted. Um, you know I think it's better and more receptive uh, when they come and approach you and, and, and we're here. you know um, We can only give them our, our experiences or things that we've seen around the game and, and hopefully they take it if they don't. there's, there's never any hard feelings if, if I give advice and it's not followed because uh, ultimately it comes from within and, and they have to believe in, what you're saying and they, they have to take it wholeheartedly uh otherwise it, it
1: can just be confusing at times for them i think about all the technology that's in the game now with everything that we have with TrackMan and rapsado and all these high-tech cameras and everything what's that been like for you as someone who teaches the game has it changed how, how you view the game with with all the stuff that we have now i think it's it's brought
5: a different element of uh Uh, educating me about certain intricacies of the game that that I appreciate, uh, I definitely respect and and do use. Um, I think the balance of of the analytics side and and the baseball side when when they come together uh, can be powerful. And I think the organizations that are using it correctly and and implementing it um, the right way and teaching it um, have had success. And I think these young players are eager to learn. They have grown up with it uh, where... Uh, our generation didn't grow up with it. We grew up with some video. I remember getting traded to the to the Padres and being around um, a great Tony Gwynn and sitting there and him educating me on, on actually what I was watching, how to watch video. So some of that is is in you know it's developed through time, and uh, we're still in that 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 time frame that it's still new. TrackMan, Rapsoda, all the new technology is is being implemented in the game, but. I do think the younger players have an advantage because they've grown up with it.
1: Yeah, and I think about these kids that are in travel ball and they're in showcases and they now understand spin rate and spin efficiency. And all <laughs> I don't know if stuff. they understand <laughs> it. They, they think it's really cool. They,
5: oh, yeah, I hit that at 80 miles an hour. I count my bat. The spin rate on my breaking ball is, you know,
1: 1,300. I, do you know what that means? I <laughs> have <laughs> But they have these devices that, that by that time, it, it just seemed – I think the reason why we see so many good young players now is because once they get here, they're not as shocked as they used to be. Would you agree with that?
5: You know, there's some validity to that. I think uh, the biggest thing for me is, you know, they have to go out and play. And so some of these showcases don't prepare the actual in-game playing uh, mindset. And so some of that is missing and through the minor leagues they do develop how to play the game the right way um, but sometimes they get wrapped up in just going out and doing a showcase and seeing you know, how hard they can hit the baseball, what it's measuring as opposed to like, hey I got a guy in second and, and I need to get this guy over because he's the winning run and, and how do I do that? You know, So there, there, is, there is this growth in the game about educating them and, and the tools that they use but at the same point if they only do showcases and they don't go out and actually be a part of a team then I don't think they're as successful when they get here.
1: And and the thing that I think about, and I get a ton of people who call me in the postgame shows, why don't they bunt? (laughs) And and, and I go, well, to be honest with you, they're not really good at it because it's not something that they were – you don't make it to the big leagues bunting. You don't get drafted high by bunting. You don't get the big contract by bunting. So do I want these? For the most part, I don't want these guys bunting because it's not a skill they're very good at.
5: And that, that's entirely true. Um, it, it isn't developed. It isn't uh, really worked on um, to the extent that, that we work on our hitting. And so, yes, you're asking someone that hasn't done it to go bunt. They're going to be unsuccessful, as in anything in life. If you don't practice it, you're not going to be any good at it. So there is times and places where uh, the bunt's valuable and it's, it's, it's needed. Um, you know, When the offense isn't generating runs, if, if there's a situation late in the game uh, that calls for it, um, you hope you have the right situation to do it with, and that's the right player and, and giving them the best chance to succeed. And, and, and we look at that all the time. We evaluate our club, and, and we try to give these guys the best chance to succeed and put them in those situations that – that uh, you feel they will feel comfortable in in handling what you're asking
1: them to execute. How would you have gone against the shift? Because you were a guy that had really good bat control.
5: Well, at the end of my career, they did shift me and I wasn't as successful. But at the end of my career, I was trying to create bat speed because I had lost bat speed. So, (laughs) uh, you know, I I, I have a problem with me. I, I, I guess I'm just too honest about my evaluation. I was a it was too honest and self-evaluating myself. So, um, but no, in my prime, yeah, I would I would have definitely utilized the shift. And we've seen Matt Olson lay, I think five or six bunts down and yeah, be successful five. this year. So, you know, he, he's doing things to incorporate in his game uh, to help the team win to get on base uh, when it, when it's you know, when he utilizes it normally in a situation that. Uh, runners aren't in scoring position, but uh, hey, you know what? We'd rather see Matt Olson hit a three-run homer than sack bunt first and second and get two guys over. And, and that's just the reality of where the game's at. Uh, and, and, and if you do the data and you, and you, and you really understand the data, um, giving up an out is, is huge. And it, it limits the, you know, your opportunity to score runs. And, and in this game, we know now that you got to score runs.
1: This guys going to score as many as you can. Because, That's man, right. Th- this ball is flying out of the ballpark at record paces, so you need as many runs as possible. Let's in on this. For you, your future. What is it managing? <laughs> what, what do you think you want to do long-term? Because everybody knows you got a great baseball mind. What do you want to do long-term? You know, any Or just surf in San Diego. What do no, you No, I don't do?
5: surf. I definitely don't surf. Um, you know, they, yes, I, Tony, I'd love an opportunity to manage in the right situation. Um, that... that, that uh, Fits both my my you know, professional life and, and my personal life, my family life, if, if that exists. Um, I'd love to have that opportunity going forward. I I feel I've uh, I've learned a lot in, in in a few different roles that I've served post playing career, and uh, and the experience that I've had through the 17 years of playing, uh, the adversity I've I've gone through, the the challenges in in terms of, you know, being a, an everyday player to going to a role player to being on some. Teams that uh, lost game sevens of championship series and and, and didn't get an opportunity to make the World Series. So that that crave and that hunger is still in there to to be a part of a a World Series championship team would be exciting. Um, But I do feel that uh, this Oakland Athletics uh, A's uh, organization has given me this, blessed me with this position to be in, to, to still be on a staff, a great staff led by Bob Melvin, and, and and learn from him and learn from the staff, and and just continue to educate myself and grow in the game of baseball.
1: Your money in the bank. Appreciate it. Chris. Always Thank appreciate you. it. Awesome. Man. Thank Coming you. up next, we got the Bob Melvin show for you right here on A's Cast Live. This
0: is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Here's Chris
1: Townsend. Before we get to Bob Melvin, I want everybody to know, coming out to the game tonight, we need to support our our people down in Gilroy after the tragedy at the Garlic Festival that left three dead. Two are, One's a child, and I think one another one's a minor, and one adult. It's just tragic. And as we talked about yesterday on Ace Cast Live, Cody lived down in that area for five years. I, for years, have been down to the Garlic Festival, and to think that that would happen there, especially at a festival. I mean, anywhere. It's sickening. And at a festival that does so much to help people. I mean, this festival has raised millions and millions for people in that area. Proceeds from sales of garlic fries and Gilroy garlic burgers – during tonight's game, will benefit families and individuals impacted by the Gilroy Garlic Festival tragedy. Donations will be made to the Gilroy Foundation's Gilroy Garlic Festival Victims Relief Fund or just Gilroy Foundation. So please donate, please buy garlic fries, and please do the burger to help uh, because that is something great that the A's are doing for the people that have been affected by this tragedy. So every single week, there's only one place you can go to get the Bob Melvin Show. It's right here on A's Cast. So I go into his office. We do it every single Tuesday, uh, whether he's on the road or whether he's at home. I will go into the office, and we will get the answers from the skipper himself. Here is the Bob Melvin Show, and it's brought to you by nestbetting.com. Time now for the Bob Melvin Show here on A's Cast, brought to you by NestBedding.com. That's NestBedding.com. Love where you sleep. You'll love all their mattresses, I guarantee it. How are we doing, Bob? Doing good. How about yourself? Uh, We're doing well. And and looking at the position you're in, you know, you're in the mix. Like if it ended today, and I know this doesn't mean anything, but if it ended today, you would be in the postseason. I think you have to like that. Your destiny is in your own hands.
6: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of baseball has yes to be left to be played, and in a week, who knows what it's going to look like? And that's why I try not to focus on right now because this thing could flip around ten different times. Once you get to se- September and you kind of have an eye on the on the finish line, then you kind of have an idea where you are and what you need to do. But we're just trying to win as many games as we can at this point, and you know, up to now, it's been okay.
1: What is your opinion on the trade deadline being a hard deadline now? The waiver claims are no uh, no longer possible after the 31st. So, kind of what you see in your opponents and what you see with yourself, what you see is what you get after the 31st.
6: Yeah, you know what? I, I'm not all that involved in that anyway. And I do know that we've been able to make some moves after the deadline, so it makes maybe affects us a little bit. But like you said, you know, after today, what you have is what you're going to have, and what other people have is what they're going to have. So you can more focus on that, at least on a preparation standpoint from my end.
1: You know, I, I, I thought it was shocking. And I, I forgot about this. You know, you go back to like the, the mid-80s. The trading deadline when you were playing was June 15th. I mean, that's far different <laughs> than what we see today. It is. And, you know, now
6: you, you get a little bit of better chance to evaluate your club, uh, you know, the, the deeper in the season you go. And. You know, typically July is kind of a big month for injuries, too, so, you know, you have to go through that period as well and evaluate that, but like I said, it it really doesn't affect me all that much in the fact that, you know, we're just trying to go out there and win some games, and the front office are the ones that are trying to, uh, you know, either, either get some players here or send some out.
1: So you get Diekman, the left-hander out of Kansas City, and the one stat that you really look at is the strikeouts to innings pitched, and, and he brings he brings you an element of, of another guy that can put people away. How do you plan on using him? He's He'll be our late lefty,
6: and, and he's got a history of going through righties, too, so he's not just a situational lefty. Like you said, he creates a lot of strikeouts, and, and we've had to face him in the past, and you know, when he was with Texas, he was our eighth-inning guy, and whether it was three righties, three lefties, or a combination, uh, that was his inning. So uh, I'm not sure it's going to be that succinct. You know, we still have some guys, depending on who's available and depending on matchups, that we use a little bit differently, but he's definitely our late lefty. How big is it to have a left-handed pitcher that can get righties out? It's big because, you know, nowadays with, you know, either teams pinch-hitting and or, You know setting their lineups up where you have to go through some righties to get to maybe the most significant lefties uh it it makes a big difference and and when he can strike guys out and he can miss bats it means it means he's got some power and and guys aren't getting a good look at him
1: Blake trying to look pretty good in his last outing do you think you're starting to get you know what you saw last year out of him right now I do you know I think it was that was a big
6: big one for him and that it was a close game and um You know, he had a a really clean inning, and we saw so many cleanings last year. He had some swings and misses, which we saw a lot of last year. So I think uh, in this incremental progress to where we have him right now, I think that was his best outing. I know he feels good about it.
1: What do you think your bullpen will look like if you get everybody
6: on track with so many power arms? It's got a chance to be really good. You know, we just – You know you look at the results last year that were historic you know we didn't give up a lead after the seventh inning until like the last two weeks of the season and this year it's been anything but so you know we've kind of you know take turns you know having rough periods and when you have what 20 blown saves or whatever it was that we have right now it's it's completely different than than last year so you just kind of have to fight through it constantly try to kind of re reconfigure the bullpen and get the best results at that particular time and uh, it's nice to have uh, Mr. Diekman here.
1: So Chris Davis gets the winning RBI as they walk in the winning run. And I know for Chris you would like to see a grand slam or you would like to see a double off the wall. But just from a confidence standpoint, what do you think that does for him where he does come through and wins the game?
6: Yeah, at that point in time, I didn't care what it took. It could have been a pass ball to win the game, and I've been happy with that. So it was a good at bat. You know, he he didn't try to go out of the zone. He didn't get too anxious. He's actually hit a walk-off or at least a a go-ahead homer against um, that particular pitcher last year over there. Um, but I, I was impressed by the fact that he wasn't trying to do too much because when you're struggling some, sometimes you want to be that guy and you want to do it early in the count and you want to drive a ball. That's not what it took. You know, it took either uh, you know, a single or, or a walk, and he was patient enough to draw the walk.
1: You know, I think about the two Texas teams normally because I say they shouldn't be in the division. If you've got to fly three or more hours to a place and to a different time zone, you shouldn't be in the same division. But it is what it is. And we know that there's a good rivalry right now between the Athletics and the Astros because you've been the two best teams for a while now. Now there's a little something with the Texas Rangers. Talk about the sparks uh, that we've seen at their ballpark and now here.
6: Yeah, I mean, it makes for, for some good theater. I mean, I, I don't know that it, it ramps up the rivalry. Whenever you play a team 19 times, you're always going to have some issues at some point in time. Uh, it was just a little bit more dramatic. You don't see as many of those these days as far as uh, on-field stuff, and I think that might be our maybe our first or second this year that we've been on the field. but. I, you know what? It, it's it's it is what it is, and typically it happens when you play a team a lot. You know, we didn't particularly like what Sampson was doing out there, and they didn't like us either, watching a homer or telling them about it. So. You know, Both sides have, have a little bit of a have some angst as far as that goes, and we do play them, what, eight more times or something like that, so we'll see where it goes when we play them again.
1: Now for you who grew up and played in a certain era, and you watch the antics, you even listen to what players are saying in, in the post-game interviews, do, do you just kind of go, oh boy, because in your era, if any of this would have gone on, it would have been a whole different
6: story. Yeah, it, gets to, it used to get taken care of real quickly. If someone watched a homer, he got hit the next time up, or the next guy got hit. So it happened pretty quickly, and that usually ended things. When you let uh, the players police it, uh, typically there's a little bit of a shorter duration. Now the umpires are put in a bad spot, and that, you know, do you, do you issue a warning? Does the other team, Did the other team have a fair chance to maybe retaliate? So it puts the umpires in a tough spot. You know, it's, it's different now. Old school and new school, that line of old school is being rubbed out. So, you know, let the kids play, guys bat flipping and watching stuff. I really don't know where it starts and where it ends these days uh, as far as old school and new school. So it's something that you, you kind of have to acclimate to a little bit. I don't think it's going away. I think the fans like to see guys celebrating some home runs and so forth. And it's just a little bit of a different game now.
1: Yeah, and we've looked at in the past as, oh, it's a bunch of old school guys, but this confrontation, we're young pitchers, and Ramon Laureano's 25 years old, so it's young guys who are getting mad at each other. And I just don't know. It's like, do we have to really go out and tell everybody hey everything's allowed and you just have to suck it up and you know I, I kind of agree with Madison Bumgarner where he said hey listen if we're going to allow them to show emotion I should be able to show emotion it's kind of like we all need to agree in this game that this is going to go on and everybody you just got to deal with it
6: no doubt about it. it if it's if it happens one way it needs to be a two-way street so and you're seeing it now you're seeing some pitchers you know Marcus Stroman some of these guys who are celebrating a strikeout and shimmying or whatever they're doing right now Uh, It's not across the board in that fashion. It's it's probably more the hitters because it's a little bit more dramatic when you hit a home run than when you strike somebody out. But I think you probably see the pitchers get involved in this a little bit more and where it goes and where it stops. (laughs) I'm not 100 percent sure. Can you imagine the fines Bob Gibson would get in this era? Yeah, no, they'd be big (laughs) fines and they'd try to stop him right away. And I'm not sure that would... That would actually happen, but it, there were a lot of guys that took matters into their own hands. They did it very quickly, and usually the, those things uh, got ended very quickly as well.
1: So now we got the National League Central coming to town where you're going to have the Brewers and then the St. Louis Cardinals. What's the advantage that an American League team has over a National League team when you play in the American League Park?
6: Well, the fact that, you know, usually the National League things. Teams do things a little bit differently towards, towards the bottom of the lineup. Maybe they hit and run a little bit more and, and you know, do some safety squeezing and stuff with the pitcher. Now the pitcher's not involved and another hitter is involved in it. Uh, you, usually you don't see the, the amount of pinch hitting other than the pitcher spot, maybe in the eight, nine spots. I think uh, with Craig Council who's a good friend of mine, you might see a little bit more pinch hitting, with especially with the righties that they have on the bench right now. So you know, we we probably have the advantage in the American League park in that we do have a DH that that typically is DHing. A little different for them, but I think the biggest advantage is when you play a National League team at their park because they they have a little better understanding of, you know, how the game plays in National League style and the pitchers are, are are prepared to hit all the time. We're just You know, a week out, 10 days out, trying to get our guys to be able to put a bunt down where uh, in the National League game, these guys are a little bit more acclimated to what it takes in the offensive end.
1: You know, Christian Yellis is that kind of guy that I know you get a bunch of data on the opposing team. And uh, I think the data is all going to say he's red hot. What a year he's having. It's an
6: incredible year, and he's hitting lefties, he's hitting righties, he's hitting everybody. He's stealing bases, he's hitting homers, he's hitting for eye average. It's a pretty special season, so uh, this is a guy that we, we, we try to maneuver around. They do have a guy in Yasmani Grandal hitting behind him, who's a switch hitter, who's having a good year too, but uh, usually there's one team, and especially a guy like this, that you have your eye on, and, and he's having an absolutely terrific season. So, um, you know, hopefully he takes a three-game series off, and hit some balls hard at somebody, and then he can go beat somebody up along the way.
1: Let's end on this. And speaking of your buddy Craig Council, and I think of Matt Williams and getting to know you over the years, your time in Arizona was very special. You, uh, Obviously, you guys won a championship being on that staff. But it's just, it seems like a lot of your really close friends in this game came out of that time in Arizona. What was it like being down there with the Diamondbacks for you?
6: That was a special club. And, and everybody came in that spring, and, and very few guys actually had a World Series ring. Everybody was playing for that exclusively. There was no, let's see how we get off to a good start, and maybe we make the postseason. The goal from the very beginning was to win a World Series. And some of my best friends in the game were on that team. You know, Craig Council, obviously Matt Williams. Uh, Bob Brenly, who was a manager, Luis Gonzalez. I'm still really close with Mark Grace. All these guys remain tight. And when you win a world championship, it means there's a fraternity there that's going to last forever, that you have that big ring on your finger. And it seems like you, you, you stay in a little bit more close contact to him. Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson, all these guys um, I still stay in contact with. So it was a special group of guys and obviously a very special year.
1: And not only that. It's one of the most historic World Series as the Yankees were going for four straight. You took down arguably one of the greatest dynasties of all time. You know, I I just think about that World Series. It's special to get the ring, obviously, but the way you did it also.
6: Yeah, and the games were all in dramatic fashion. I mean, the ones in New York, literally, when they... Hit those late inning home runs it felt like that place might actually crumble and then we come to our place have to win game six and then play a historic game seven that we won in the you know with with an out in the bottom of the seven so i don't know that there are too many series that have been better than that one and you know the players that were in it and the theater of those games uh the, the, that won't go
1: down in history books we appreciate the time we'll talk to you next week all right thank you the bob melvin show brought to you by nestbetting.com that's nestbetting.com love where you sleep That is right, nest as in N-E-S-T, betting.com. Always great catching up with the skipper once a week. This is the only place you get the Bob Melvin show is on A's cast. And I think back to that World Series, the only time in my life where I have actually been a Diamondbacks fan, that was a wild, wild series. 2001 kept the Yankees from winning four straight and what a series it was it was unbelievable Kurt Schilling Randy Johnson oh man and the spirit those guys still have to this day yeah some of Bob's best friends are from that time with the Arizona Diamondbacks the A's for the most part the A's don't have a weakness in their lineup I mean, you start looking, you know, what you've gotten this year, and hopefully Fegley will be back soon. Uh, even Herman's hit for you a little bit, but Fegley has done a very good job. We know Chapman and Olsen, Marcus Simeon. Stephen Piscotti has been a little, but I think when he comes back from knee surgery, hopefully he'll close out strong. Mark Canna's been fantastic when he's been asked to fill in at any point, whether it was DHing or playing right field. So when you start looking look at Ramon Laureano have, having a really good year, if you look around, and this is something that I believe I took phone calls on this. What is today? Today's tu- it's Taco Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. So it was Monday. No, it would have been Sunday after the game. I took calls on second base. And how bad the second base position as a total has been this year for the Oakland A's. Now, normally, when you hit as many home runs as the A's do, and you score like they do, you're not really worried about one position. And especially this position, for years, has been known as a defensive position. But the way baseball is now, every position is an offensive position now. You know, everybody's hitting home runs. But the A's second baseman, oh boy. This position has been a dud for the A's. And I know there's a lot of people that still believe in Profar. I know there's a lot of people out there that still believes in Franklin Barreto. But if you look at the numbers of second base this year, it's awful. So let me give you rankings for A's second baseman. So since the A's did not play yesterday these are the up-to-date numbers for your second baseman this year you ready batting average a second baseman are hitting 202 where does that rank in major league baseball that is dead last on base percentage 262 262 and that's not even last, by the way. That's 29th. So somebody is worse. How about slugging? 374, that's 20th. And that's just because pro-fars hit some home runs. Weighted runs created plus, which is a metric that a lot of people is the best to judge people on, offensive players. 67, that's tied for 27th. So, hey, listen, they're not doing it offensively. Then they've got to be doing it defensively. Defensive runs saved. They are minus 11. This by far has to be the worst on the diamond. Minus 11. That's 29th in baseball. And the overall war is minus 0.4. So basically, they're saying any run of the mills second baseman at a triple-A could come up here and be better than what the A's have put out there. I mean, think about that. When you're a minus war, that means you're playing worse than just some average guy they brought up. That is hard to believe. Now, is that really a position that I would sit here and say they need to fix this position before tomorrow at 1 o'clock? I probably would put, if we're really talking about competing, I would want another arm. And it would be a starter, it would be a reliever. Once again, we had that stat for you if you weren't listening. 50% of all innings pitched last year in the postseason were done by relievers. So unless you're telling me you can trade for an all-world starter and you're willing to give up a huge price, which I don't think the A's would, I wouldn't say... Adding a second baseman, I would want another arm. Christian Yelich is just launching balls into the stands right now. What a BP! You know the thing about Yelich, which is interesting, is how tall he is. Check to see how, what they say. I would say he's he's got to be six four, because when you watch him on TV, he just doesn't look like that big of a guy. He looks wiry. Six three. 6'3". In person, he looked. Would you Would you agree, Cody, he looks bigger in yeah, person? Yeah, he looks a lot bigger in person. He yeah, a, that,
4: that's a, word, a lot bigger. He, lo- he just hit one earlier, his first round of BP, when he went through. He hit one off the Shoe Palace side up there in, in right field. That's how far he hit a home run. Are you serious? Yeah, Joey and I were
1: watching it. That's where the Al Davis torch is. He hit the ball all the way up there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the ball's not juiced. What are you talking about? I can't believe you keep calling it juiced. I don't know. He's, he's only hit 61 home runs over the last 162 games. The ball's not juiced. Oh, this ball's fine. You know what? Let's get off Rawlings. You know what Rawlings did? Rawlings made the ball better. And when you make the ball better, the ball's going to go farther. Further or farther? Farther. Farther? I mean, it's, just, it's the same thing with the golf ball. It's the same thing with, like, a Titleist, a Pro-V. Titleist just keeps making balls that are – now, they had to dial it back because it got to be a point to where the PGA Tour, the USGA, they went, listen, these guys are eating these golf courses up. you got to dial the ball back a little bit. And that might be something that we see in the off season cuz at some point these record home runs people are going to stand up and go, "Huh." All right, coming up. We had Mark Simon on yesterday. And we wanted to ask him about certain players that have not had the same years as they had last year because when you have someone on like Mark Simon, who's Sports Solutions, they do a great job with numbers, the analytics. You can look into the analytics, and you can see why guys are going better than they were last year, and you can also see why guys aren't playing as well as last year. We'll hear about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, this is Fred of the B-52s, and whenever my flying saucer
0: is over Oakland, I listen to A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
1: I think we have proof that a lot of these men running these organizations are soft. I have proof. We'll get to that in a little bit. So we love having Mark Simon on. Mark Simon used to work at ESPN. If you wondered how ESPN years ago got all their fancy stats, he was the guy. Then he created Sports Info Solutions. And they have all of the numbers. And I can tell you, I've seen his stuff for baseball. I've seen his stuff for football. They have numbers that are just, I mean, they're the nuggets of the nuggets. And that's why we like having him on. So yesterday, we had him on A's Cast Live. We were on for four, from 4 to 7. Whenever the A's don't have a game, we're on from 4 to 7. Or if they have a day game. We're on from 4 to 7. So we're on from 4 to 7 on Wednesday and Thursday. Is that correct? Next week, yeah. No, this week. Well, no. Tomorrow, it's a a night game tomorrow, and it's
4: a day game on Thursday. Thursday and Friday, we're on from 4 to 7.
1: Thursday and Friday, 4 to 7. We got that weird Friday off day. Yeah. Pearl's getting his money's worth. (laughs) Pearl's getting his The great Matt Pearl. So we had him on yesterday, and I asked him about three guys. I asked him about Chris Davis, I asked him about Lou Trevino, and I asked him about Blake Trinan. Why are these guys not having the same years? Look into the numbers. So I told him before he came on, look into the numbers. So Mark Simon looked into the numbers, and this is why these three are not having the same success as they had last season.
7: Okay, so we start with Trinan, uh, and I think it was unfair to expect that he'd be anything close to what he was last year because he'd never been that before. And you have an established level of performance, and you can have a deviation from it, but it's not going to last you multiple years. Uh, I, in looking at the numbers, one of the things that jumped off the the charts at me was like that his pitches are moving a lot more, and then he seems to have like less control over them and hitters seem to be able to better lay off like the chase rates against his pitches are way lower uh than last season it's like he's not throwing enough um enough pitches that have temptation to them uh these are pitches that that are, are easier for a hitter to lay off and then when he comes into the strike zone uh he's getting hit a little bit harder um Lou Trevino, the cutter hasn't been as good. If you look at any of the the pitch performance metrics with the cutter, uh, that's been uh, missing from his uh, success uh, this season. And then Chris Davis. uh, Chris Davis is a good example of a player where if you were uh, going to introduce launch angle to someone, uh, I think he's someone that you would do it for. Because if you look at the history that he had with his launch angle prior to this season, uh, he was someone that, Uh, hit the ball in the air last year his average launch angle was 18 degrees you want to be you know is talking about that's close to like the optimal position that's how he hit all those home runs this year he's down around 13 and that's a big difference Uh, he's hitting a lot more balls on the ground now, I can I can tell you the number. I can't necessarily diagnose the issue, whether his timing is off or something of that sort. But just by looking at the numbers, you can you can tell what the, uh, where the issues kind of begin. And it gives you a clue as to what you would figure the A's coaches are looking for when they're trying to fix what's going on there. There you go. The average
1: launch angle for Chris Davis last year when he hit 48 home runs was 18. This year, it's 13. And we've seen a lot of ground balls and not a lot of hard hit balls in the air by Chris Davis ever since he got hurt. Now, I'm told he's not hurt anymore. But once again, the launch angle, the average of the launch angle, 18 to 13. Lou Trevino didn't have the same slider. And I think everybody has diagnosed this one. Is that that bowling ball? That sinker that Blake Trinan has that we saw people all last year swing over it and swing over it and swing over it, now they just take it. The league has made an adjustment to Blake, and this is what happens to players in this game, is now you have to adjust. Something has to change for you because what you're doing, how many times do we watch people just take, take that, Take that sinker down in the zone, and it's 1-0. Throws it again, 2-0. Now he's got to come in. And as Mark says, when he comes into into the strike zone, he's always coming into the strike zone when the hitter has the advantage. He knows Blake has to come in, and then now he's all over it. And so that has been the big problem for Blake Trinan is they're not swinging at that power sinker. And... You know, they've made the adjustment. What's the adjustment he's going to make? Our buddy Bob Nightingale has put out there. So I, I talked about it yesterday, I talked about talked a little bit about it today. I'm telling you, we're 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 in a land of number crunchers. People who collect data and people who use data are usually conservative people. People who get into numbers are conservative. Numbers have to prove out everything. They're not risk takers. The reason they got into numbers is because they're not risk takers in life. That's why they got into the numbers business. Let the numbers give you the answers. Trust the numbers. Don't take risk. Well, this just proves it once again with these these new front offices. There is a growing sentiment among GMs to push the MLB tread dayline back to August 15th to give teams more time to determine whether they are buyers or sellers in light of slow activity, they will discuss at the GM meetings in November in Phoenix. You need more time? No, I really no. No, I really need to know I'm out of it. No, I can't. I can't. If I have more time, then I really know I'm out of it. Now I'll start to make deals. They don't want to take any risk. That's. August 15th, you have a month and a half left. How much time do you need? It's because you have these teams sitting here right now. Should we be in it? Should we not? They're just paralyzed by the pressure, and they can't cut deals. They can't cut deals with each other. That's why the other day when we had David Force down here, it would have been last Friday, right? We had David Force. I said, the one thing I've always really appreciated about you and Billy Bean is that you're fearless, The A's are ruthless. They're cold-blooded killers. Whether you like all the deals they've done, well, no one's going to be 100% on deals. Nobody. Not in the NFL, not in the NHL, not in the NBA or baseball. You're dealing with human beings. You're going to have flaws. You're going to have mistakes. But that doesn't paralyze Billy or David. They make moves. They're riverboat gamblers. If you... You look at the way these new GMs are doing business. Oh my God, Billy! They they probably are all afraid of Billy. These guys, I'm telling you, they're probably they probably see Billy Bean's number on their phone and they tremble because they're so worried. I mean, these guys really do not want to take any chances. Look how many. So I have a list. Once again, I have a I have a 34 page packet for the trading deadline. It's ridiculous. So you've got three GMs. Let's just say guys running the show because they all have these senior VP and blah, blah, blah. They have all these titles. You got three guys that are in their first year. You got one guy in his second year. You got three in their third. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You got eight guys in their fourth. So basically, more than half... The people running organizations have not have their have not had. Well, the only guy that's he's an old schooler, Dave Dombrowski, so I got to take him off that list. But almost half of the guys that are running teams are, are 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 relatively new when it comes to being the top dog. Now they've all been in the business, but to be in the top dog, where 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 the buck stops with you, and these guys don't want to make moves. Look, we're not seeing any moves. And so what we're hearing here at the trade deadline is the asking price for anybody who's really any good is so high that there's no way you can make the deal. But for them to part ways, for them to win the deal, they've got to get a massive haul for Syndergaard. they got to get a massive haul for Grinky or whoever. And this new style of baseball, the days of... I, I know some of you may not remember Jack McKeon, old Trader Jack. Jack McKeon was the manager of the Marlins when they won it. Of course I do, Trader. Yeah, Trader Jack, right? That's he got his nickname. Tra- Why?
4: Because he was trading people all the time. I believe he was the guy that Derek Jeter fired a couple years ago too, along with Dawson and all those other guys.
1: Was Was Jack Was Jack still working for the Marlins? I think he was
4: like in like a front office, like a, a advisor yeah. kind of role. Yeah, At like eighty six years old. He
1: was a wheeler and a dealer. He was Trader Jack. Well, now nobody – Bean said he wants to be on the show. I ran into Billy. So maybe after the training deadline, we got to have Billy on because he's the longest-tenured guy. Billy got his job October seventeenth, 1997. So how can you say Billy and David – so it's saying Cashman's also 22 years, but he got his job in 98. How are they saying that's the same? Well, I guess they're just a couple months apart, but whatever. Bean's the longest-tenured guy. And we'll have to get Billy Bean on to say how different is it now with all the data that everybody's using, and just just the nature of who these guys are now that we don't have the. I mean, Billy Bean and Dave Dombrowski would be the only guys you'd really look at who are really wheelers and dealers. I mean, who else would you throw in there? AJ Preller of the Padres—he's just crazy. One minute he goes all in, and then that minute he's rebuilding, then he goes all in. These, rebu- I mean, he.
4: You're forgetting the real wheel and dealer. That's Jerry Depoto in Seattle. He trades people all the time. Yeah, that is true.
1: <laughs> but not for the better.
4: No, he just trades people to trade them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll give him. Uh, let's see who else. I'm thinking. I wouldn't think of Theo Epstein as a real wheeler and dealer, would you?
4: No, I mean his GM is Jed Hoyer. They don't. They don't. They were. They know more. They're no more for drafting guys really well. Yeah. They don't really make like the big trade they made was Chapman when they won the World Series. Thing too, is for these GMs that were that you see or, or VPs of baseball, ops or, or millennials, or people in my age group. You got, you got Mike uh, Chernoff, the GM in, in Cleveland, who's young. You have Michael Elias, who was a former Jeff Luno guy in Baltimore, who's like thirty six. David Stearns, the Brewers GM, is thirty four, another Luno guy, and you have Eric Neander from the Rays, who's really young.
1: Uh, I can't make a trade. And, and take that peanut butter away from me. I'm allergic. <laughs> millennials are running our game what are they get some brass ones boys and start making some trades Are right, you want to do buying or selling well we got five minutes i always forget when we're down here we have less time do you want to do buying or selling all right let's yeah, go come on ben Oh, wow. Come wow. on, Ben. You don't do this with the B-52. It's
0: time for Buying <laughs> or Selling.
5: So, sell, sell.
0: Right now with Chris Townsend on Ace
4: Cast Live. I can't wait for Taco Tuesday. I'm I'm starving. I'm going to go have a garlic burger. I'm going to go help my fellow people down in Giroi out. I'll, that.
1: You know what? I'll just donate money. How about that? There you go. That's even better than the, doing the garlic burger. All right. So. But we want you to do the garlic fries and garlic burger.
4: So on Sunday, Madison Bumgarner pitched possibly his last game oh, with the San Francisco Giants. But, uh, he won seven innings, allowing like, uh, four earned
1: runs. Just trade him. On
4: the season, he's 6-7 and seven with a 3.74 ERA. Now, in the postseason, Bumgarner is 8-3 with a 2.11 ERA, and he has that save in one of the greatest postseason runs ever in 2014 against the Royals. The Giants have an 8% chance to make the playoffs, according to Fangraph's playoff odds. Well, there's a team that wants Madison Bumgarner, and they've checked in on him. The Houston Astros want Madison Bumgarner. He throws his four seam 43% of the time, and what's the something the Astros preach at in sliders and curveballs, and they love the spin rate. He needs to improve his spin rate a little bit. So, buying or selling Madison Bumgarner will be a Houston Astro by tomorrow,
1: 1 o'clock. I'll buy that. Farhan's going to deal him. Because, you know what? If you, if you really like Madison Bumgarner, you would want him traded, because you know what they're going to do. If they keep him and then he's a free agent and they don't want to sign him long term and then they put the qualifying offer on him, he now becomes like Dallas Keuchel.
4: And they said that the pick would be somewhere in like the 70 to 76 range. So you're not even getting like a, a high first rounder or a first rounder. You're getting a essentially a second round pick for him. So uh, him going to Houston, I think that it wouldn't be as scary as a Bauer or a Sindergaard going there. But it's still be pretty scary for the
1: Astros who already have the best one-two combo in the American League. Bauer, they just want. It's starting to sound like they just want. It's 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 not it's not his arm. It's just the guy that they that they want they want done.
4: All right. Well, I hate to do this because well, I did this last week to my to the team I grew up watching. But right now, the Pirates have lost uh, nine straight. Although they're winning right now, they're two and fifteen since the All Star break. Our guy Josh Bell, who uh, I anointed the uh, anointed the NL MVP, has been struggling since the All Star break. Now uh, he had two RBIs coming tonight, and he has a two run double. So, anyway, what I'm looking at is so the Pirates are 46 and 60 right now. Buying or selling, the Pirates will be the worst team at the, in the National League at the end of the season. They're only three games ahead of the Marlins.
1: I'm still going, I'm, I'm selling. I'm, I'm still going Marlins, and I'm tired of talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> That's the last time you hear about it. All right, Until they trade uh, Felipe Vasquez
4: to the Dodgers. <laughs> Which, supposedly, they're asking for them. I mean, yeah, they, want the, they want the Dodgers' top
1: three guys pretty much for them.
4: We want your whole farm system. You want to you win a World Series? We want.
1: We want everyone. We want. Yeah, we want every single prospect that you have for one guy, and then we'll do the deal. It's, I mean, these guys. That's why there's no movement. It's ridiculous. No, no, no one's. No, I mean, you can't go to an organization and say, "Hey, this player. Hey, this player is worth three or four of your best product." Who, who actually is that good? How many guys really in Major League Baseball are worth you giving up a big part of your future?
4: I believe uh, I, brought, I put it down here on the notes. I don't know if I have time to go back to get it, but according to uh, Baseball America, and since they went back and looked from like 24, 20, 2003 to twenty fourteen, and eighty six trades of the four, in eighty-six of the four hundred twenty eight prospects traded in July deals, the majority of at least two seasons in major in Major League Baseball. 20, 20.1% of all prospects moved in such trades. Their WAR was actually positive, so you are seeing guys these made these big prospects only twenty one 21.1% of them have a positive war at a 428 prospect
1: trade. Yeah, but what would have – like, look at the A's. What would have happened to the A's if you would have traded Matt Chapman and Matt Olson? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you'd be – I mean, so that's the thing. It's like I, I I, get to go for it, but you do need to hold on to your top young talent. If you just always keep giving that top young talent away, you become like the Phillies back in the day. Next thing you know, you have a – you. you your, your good players get old and expensive, and then you don't have any young players. That 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 ship sinks.
4: Shout out Ruben Amaro for being the GM of that team. All right, last one quickly. The uh, the Blue Jays caught up uh, bon- Dante Bichette's son, Bo, yesterday. He had a hit in his first. Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette had his first hit. in, his, in Yeah, his, it was weak, too. Yeah, it was right up the middle. He's batting leadoff today. So now they good have program. him, Vlad Guerrero Jr., who has 90, who had 91 home runs in the, in the home run derby and didn't win. And they have Kevin Biggio, Craig Biggio's son. Bellinger's selling the Blue Jays will be baseball's as the most exciting team next season.
1: The Blue Jays will be the most exciting. I'm selling It's going to be the Oakland A's, baby. 20. No, they will be exciting, no question. Because just seeing the names on the back of the jerseys, you know? you got three guys. Two of their dads are Hall of
4: Famers, and the other guy was pretty good in Dante Bichette.
1: Dante's Inferno. Um, can you really? though, get that excited about the Blue Jays?
4: Oh, no, they have no pitching, I and mean, they traded Marcus Strowman. But Stroman the Blue for, Jays. I don't know that, that. I still can. I still have nightmares with that uh, Jose Batista bat flip that he had against the Rangers and Sam Dyson.
1: The ninety-two, ninety-three Blue Jays. Gary Carter. They had some great. They had some great. Gary Carter. Joe Carter. Sorry, Joe Carter. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. All right, coming up next, it's Alex Jensen. No, no,
4: it's the we're gonna play the farm. Oh, it's the farm. No A's all night because there's no game yesterday.
1: Oh, it's the farms up next. And then you can hear on A's Cast, you can hear the pregame show, A's Total Access. Well, you'll hear from Chris Giles, and also you'll hear from Ron Wolforth from the Texas Baseball Ranch. Oh, it was so good yesterday. You'll hear that. And you can go to eight sixty, who does uh, Vince?
4: Uh, Vince is doing the best uh, playoff runs by the A's in 2014, and Ray Foss will have Chad Pinder. Oh, so and you have good. And the Bob Melvin show. That
1: all coming up at 6.05 on 860 AM, The Answer in the Bay Area, Sports 1140 KHCK in Sacramento, and, of course, here on A's Cast Live. I'll talk to you in about uh, uh it'll be about 15 minutes.
0: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.